0: And so when you have these ice boots clanging and clashing next to each other constantly added to the bubbles that are popping, it becomes an acoustic refuge.
1: Because the area around the face of a tidewater glacier is so noisy underwater, it is an acoustic refuge for a species of marine mammals best habitat for baby seals is in the ice.
2: Some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. Estimates show that glaciers are losing about 267 gigatons
0: of ice every year. Wildfires in the United States have burned about six million acres so far this year, mostly in the West and Alaska. Pine Island Glacier is slipping toward the sea at an unprecedented rate Extreme heat is gripping countries all around the world right now.
1: This is the Ice and Fire Podcast, and I'm your host, Teresa Soli. Here, we listen to glaciers melt actively as they transition from solid form into liquid water. And we hear from scientists as well as indigenous perspectives in order to better understand the repercussions of climate change in Alaska and beyond through place based narrative and storytelling. it's been here almost a week six days and it's melted back 40 centimeters but that's kind of on the low end for these ice cliffs uh that uh that one over there that they just that they just got a, a visual on
2: uh it melted out uh over a meter in that same time i think i know enough of fate to know that for destruction ice is also great and would suffice.
1: In the last four episodes, we spent time atop the surface of glaciers and learned about travel over glaciers. But now we're going to discuss a different habitat, the ecosystem surrounding the face of tidewater glaciers. We are going to discuss how glaciers impact bocids. Specifically, Foca vitulina, or harbor seals. In Alaska, this species of seal often relies upon tidewater glacier areas, where glacier meets the ocean, as important habitat. The icebergs shed from tidewater glaciers act as refuge for harbor seals. The One Health master's program I recently completed at the University of Alaska Fairbanks focused on connections between the living, biotic, as well as non-living, abiotic, components of our ecosystem, including the human dynamic.
0: I define One Health as the
1: connection between animals, the environment, and humans, That's Dr. Lori Maythaler Mullins, veterinarian and professor with the Center for One Health Research at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Today, we will discuss the One Health connection between harbor seals and tidewater glaciers, and how when one part of the system is off balance, other parts are impacted. Harbor seals immediately depend on tidewater glacier habitat to birth and rear the next generation of seals. Harbor seals are a type of marine mammal, which means they spend most or all of their life in the ocean or on ice. When we encounter harbor seals out of the sea and sprawled on an iceberg, they are quite rotund. The mammal's spotted fur coats range in color from gray to brown to black. In the ocean, harbor seal bodies are incredibly streamlined for swimming and movement. They use their pectoral and hind flippers for propulsion. But due to their anatomy, including their blubberous bodies, blubber needed to maintain body heat in the cold ocean, harbor seals are often quite sessile creatures while resting on icebergs. But how do we define an iceberg? According to the National Snow and Ice Data Center, an iceberg is a piece of ice that has broken off the end of a glacier that terminates in water.
0: Harbor seals are opportunistic and they tend to have site fidelity. And site fidelity means that if they come to one place and they like it, they tend to return the following year. So added to the fact that they have site fidelity and the fact that that there is several advantages to having pups on that ice, that, that aggregation occurs annually.
1: That's Court Pegas, Ph.D. candidate studying the ways in which harbor seals utilize icebergs near the terminus of glaciers, habitat the animals flock to annually each spring. In addition to the advantage of finding acoustic refuge in tidewater glacier habitat, there is another advantage to resting on icebergs.
0: Um, One of the main reasons why people believe that they use Icebergs is because it's generally less energetically costly compared to having haul-out on hard surfaces.
1: Hauling out is the term we use to describe harbor seals departing the ocean to spend time on ice or land. Sometimes when you arrive at the face of a tidewater glacier in southeast Alaska, you immediately notice hundreds of harbor seals quietly hauled out on icebergs.
0: If you haul out on a hard surface you are subject to move based on tidal cycles. Whereas if you haul out on an iceberg, high tide, low tide, the iceberg will just float. And so there's less energetic demand to haul out on ice.
1: So basically, if harbor seals haul out on icebergs, like resting on a raft for sunbathing rather than the beach. They don't have to exert energy to move with the tides because the floating icebergs move and float as the tides pull in and out. We've mentioned the term tidewater glacier several times, but now I'd like to give a full description and definition of this type of glacier. Tidewater glaciers are usually uh, in
0: very cold climates where it's cold enough for the glacier to actually go all the way down to the ocean and reach it and because they terminate in the ocean and not just end on land as other glaciers there are some processes that are different than from normal glaciers that means they're shedding icebergs into the ocean because just ice at the front of the tidewater glacier it breaks off and falls into the ocean we don't see that on glaciers that are just terminating on land like on a mountain
1: that's Thomas Frank, one of the graduate students from the glaciology school I attended. And here's another definition coming from Cort Pegas, a calving event.
0: This ice is riddled with cracks. You, know, you would have calving, which is what is referred to as big chunks of ice falling out.
1: When there is calving activity at the face of a glacier, pieces of ice break off and fall into the water at the glacier's face, where the ice then floats and creates unique habitat, refuge for harbor seal birthing and haulouts. And so, tidewater glacier habitat, full of icebergs breaking and melting, acts as a refuge for seals, offering a haulout site. Out of water, as we humans listen through the air, this harbor seal nursery refuge may seem quiet, but underwater, it's incredibly noisy.
2: All that kind of fits into, you know, the strategies of a seal, um, best habitat for baby seals is in, in the ice.
0: And so when you have these ice boots clanging and clashing next to each other constantly, added to the bubbles that are popping, it becomes an acoustic refuge. It's very complex acoustically. And killer whales use echolocation to, you know, home in onto their pups, uh, mm-hmm. onto their prey. And so there's a hypothesis, and I don't believe that it's been fully tested, that one of the advantages that harbor seals would have Having pups on ice is that it gives the naive pups an advantage over their predators because their predators could not easily detect them with this noisy environment.
1: And another reason why harbor seals give birth on icebergs in front of tidewater glaciers is...
0: Icebergs tend to be predator-free. So, you know, wolves are known to eat uh, harbor seal pups. And so you have that added safety feature that it's unlikely a wolf would sw- swim out and you know, access an iceberg to eat a yeah. pup.
1: So if tidewater glacier habitat declines, like tidewater glaciers lift from the ocean and no longer reach it, harbor seals will be impacted because there would be no more icebergs or much of an acoustic refuge for them and the success of future generations of harbor seals could be set off-balance. Now, I work as a captain driving zodiacs of guests around the faces of these tidewater glaciers. So I'd like to try to describe this marine habitat to you. I wish I could share the scene from the vantage point of a harbor seal. The icebergs around the faces of tidewater glaciers are ever-changing and always on the move. With the fluctuating tides, floating icebergs and mass can move quite a lot, even just in the course of one day. When the tide is flowing in, icebergs may congregate close to the glacier's face or terminus, where the glacier ends in the ocean.
0: And that's why you have this complex environment in that tide water.
1: Harbor seals depend on large icebergs to rest on. They may rest on an iceberg the size of a couch, or a car, or a school bus, or a small house. But for a seal to be able to jump onto an iceberg from the ocean, using front four-flipper anatomy paired with mechanical advantage of speed and buoyancy, the iceberg must be quite flat and stay relatively close to the ocean's surface. Icebergs can also be as high as houses, be pointy, or contain arches
0: in that nearshore area, it puts a lot of obstacles. And so if you imagine of uh, something the size of a school bus, and imagine you have to make sharp tunes.
1: And then there is navigating around ice. Sometimes icebergs are quite widely spaced, which offers pathways for motorized boat navigation. But you may also encounter small icebergs in high density we call this floating ice and mass brash. But when the tide is ebbing and going out, icebergs may shift and start to move, be pulled out of bays and fjords toward the ocean. It's a very dynamic environment. Strong winds can whip off the faces of glaciers. We call these catabatics. The winds can come out of nowhere and they impact the movement of floating icebergs as well. These strong currents can surprise you, and sometimes even suck your vessel into a swirl of congested ice. Other times, the ice gets so thick, you can hardly pass through it.
0: It's like a bus driver trying to navigate through an asteroid belt.
1: And with the changing tides, currents, and winds, you can be in a largely ice-free area at one moment, and then later and unexpectedly realize the ice has come in thick. This makes driving exciting. So we've been discussing how glaciers impact other organisms in the environment, including humans recreating in tidewater glacier environments, as well as the harbor seals that rely directly on the icebergs that have calved off of tidewater glaciers and the acoustic refuge created by icebergs in tidewater environments is just one of the many theories as to why harbor seals choose this habitat when they give birth to their young. Traditional ecological knowledge and indigenous science relating to harbor seals and subsistence hunting informs research about retreat in tidewater glacier environments today.
2: When the the tide turns and the water's coming out of the fjord, it creates a lead in the ice and that's where the hunters
1: follow the lead in the ice, hoping it'll open up to a pack of seals. That's Judy Ramos, PhD candidate and coordinator for indigenous language programs at the University of Alaska Southeast. Archaeological researchers have studied the location of subsistence seal hunting camps and what these camps tell us about the size and state of the glacier. During the last little ice age, when glaciers were larger and covered more land, Alaska natives set up subsistence hunting camps near the faces of tidewater glaciers, prime harbor seal habitat. The location of the hunting camp remnants now tells us where the glacier sat at different periods of time. They in many ways allow us to measure the Hubbard Glacier's pace of retreat. Judy was one of the leads on this team of archeological researchers.
2: My dad uh, remembered the names and locations of the nine camps that were established when the glacier retreated from the mouth of Yakutat Bay 800 to 1,000 years ago. So we went out with the archaeologists to locate the camps and do archaeological investigations. And we had a um, glaciologist date where the glacier was at what point in history by going out and digging whatever those core samples that they dig (laughs) So it was combining oral history with science.
1: And as glaciers retreat, tidewater glaciers eventually lift out from the ocean and shrink back into valleys, pulling away from the marine environment entirely. This is what we are anticipating for the future of tidewater glaciers, given current trends in anthropogenic climate change.
2: So there's less and less habitat for seals than there was in the past. So that's kind of worrisome what's going to be happening to the habitat in the future.
0: These animals are important predators because they could actually control the structural makeup of the species composition of a local area. And so when you have a habitat that's destroyed, because as it melted away, that's another way of saying destroyed. But because you have a, a habitat that's gone, you know it is, we have evidence to believe that they will have changes in population dynamics of these important predators. If they're changing predator dynamics, certainly the species composition would change, and that will certainly change the food web that is present in that area. And so, you have this cascading effect of an important predator is not as abundant.
1: So those are some of the ways in which glaciers impact the life of phocids and beyond in their immediate surroundings. Changes to glaciers, glacial retreat, creates a cascade of impacts to living organisms within the interconnected ecosystem. This cascade of impacts goes beyond harbor seals, as we heard from Dr. Lori Methaler Mullins from the Center for One Health Research earlier.
0: We have to realize that these issues are not separate. Um, You know, us humans, uh, we can look to how indigenous communities have lived for thousands of years to start to solve some of these wicked problems we're seeing with climate change.
1: This is the Ice and Fire podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Courtney Pegas and Judy Ramos from the University of Alaska Southeast for their contributions and time, as well as to Dr. Lori Maythaler Mullins from the Center for One Health Research at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. This material is based upon work supported by the National Science Foundation under award number OIA-1208927 and by the state of Alaska. Any opinions, findings, and conclusions or recommendations expressed in this material are those of the author and do not necessarily reflect the views of the National Science Foundation. This podcast was hosted, written, and narrated by Teresa Soli, and edited as well as produced by myself, Mary Ald.